Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, advice that will sharpen your focus, and expert information on real estate, finance, and market conditions. Kathy Guggenauer, thank you so much for being our guest on the Mike Litton Experience. I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to join us. I'm super excited about our time together. So like we talked about before we hit record, everybody has a story and our passion is to help them tell it. So with your permission, I'd like to start with where you're born, go all the way up to today, and then we can talk about the amazing things that you're doing with your VA expert training, okay? Awesome. Sounds great. Thank, Thank you, you for you being so here. Much. So where were you born? So I was born in St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. Yeah. Did you grow and up there? I grew up in, I grew up, I actually grew up in what is now um famous uh ferguson missouri oh wow yeah it is famous yeah. now for not so good reasons but it's famous mm -hmm. right right that's where i grew up and if anybody's listening that knows anything about the st louis area nothing matters there except where you went to high school yeah <laughs> so i went to mcclure high school if there's any st louisans listening there you go yeah so here's the question for you Growing up, who was the most influential person to you? My grandmother. Okay. Why? Yeah. Um, her, her name was Goldie Brown. Mm -hmm. And I used to ask her, what's your middle name? And she said, um, I don't have a middle name. Uh, Goldie Brown, ask me again. I'll tell you the same. <laughs> have no middle name. Ask me again. I'll tell you the same. Yeah. So um, she was very important to me because... Yeah. Oh, she was a total character. Um, she grew up in the depression and her first husband um, um, jumped a train uh, and left her with a child. And she found out by her neighbor saying, uh, I saw your husband jump a train today. Wow. And that was it. Yeah. So that's a rough life back then. Right? No kidding. Yeah. And she was the most loving person I have ever known she truly gave me um, unconditional love yeah. and I needed it because uh, my mother did not want me oh, and tried to abort me oh, and no. told me about it my entire life did not want you or your brother you ruined my life on her deathbed she says never have children and I'm like I I got that message a long time ago mom wow. um so she would uh leave me and my brother at my grandmother's house the beginning of every summer you know after school's over all summer long and we just had a great time and really felt very loved oh that's awesome now, another really interesting thing and a thing that really shaped my life is that i was a double preacher's kid both my father and my mother were ministers <laughs> yes yes so my father okay hold, was... on, hold, okay hold on hold on hold on just i'm sorry yep i'm sorry let me let me okay 
What? <laughs> no, that's why I'm as crazy as I am. <laughs> well, I, I don't have a problem with you being crazy, but but oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so my father was an Assembly of God minister. Yeah. And when he was 29, I was eight. He was killed um, by a drunk driver in a head-on collision. Oh. And my mother took over the church because when he was killed, and you know, know much about that religion but you live in a parsonage that you do not own you live there for free so when he was killed we didn't have a place to deliver anything yeah, you're homeless. take over the church yeah and my mother didn't have a high school education she didn't know how to drive a car so um she took over the church and um, ministered there for a couple of years and then she started running around with the deacon's son and we kind of got run out of town <laughs> Wow. <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness. Okay. <laughs> well, this was more of a twist than I thought we were gonna have. <laughs> I oh so I had a I had a I had a uh, a guy that started a company or on earlier today that I told you about that that started that started making scotch and they sent me a bottle. I might have to break it out before this interview. <laughs> I think that's a really good idea. Wow, we might have to have a drink together. Okay, so sounds good. Wow. So, okay. So, I'm sorry about your dad, and I'm super Thank sorry you. about your mom. I mean, I, I, this is like, wow. So, and this all happened in Ferguson. No, um, when I was born in St. Louis, gotcha. but then we moved. Um, my father started a church in a little tiny town. And in southern Missouri, it's called Mountain Grove. Okay. Uh, and um, then he was killed, and then we moved back to St. Louis. My mom moved us back to St. Louis, and for after, yes, after they got you got she got run out of town, basically. Right, right, right. So born in St. Louis, moved just for a couple of years um, to Mountain Grove. My dad was killed. My mom did a couple of years as the minister there, and then we moved back to St. Louis. So you Ferguson. moved back to St. Louis. This is a wild story. So you move back to St. Louis <laughs> and what happens then? So um, um, my mother and um, so I was about 10 when we okay. moved back to St. Louis okay. and my mother had met a man um, who uh, both of them were very, very, very much alike. They were okay. very selfish people who didn't want children. They both had children. His wife had died. My mom's husband had died. So they met up and they were just like instant soulmates because they didn't want kids. So they essentially just pretended like they didn't have any. So I had me and my brother and my two step siblings. We all lived uh, together in Ferguson and we were, um, <laughs> there were four of us but two of us were 14 and two of us were 13. So we all got, we were all born within 18 months of each other and we're step siblings. And my mom and dad really liked my stepdad. I'm just going to call my dad from now on. Yeah. Uh, my mom and my dad really liked to go out to eat. So they went out to eat every meal and they would give me $25 and drop me off at the grocery store and let me buy whatever I wanted for us to eat. So I bought Frosted Flakes, bologna, and Susie Q's. And that's what we lived on as kids. <laughs> wow. 
This is a true story. I'm not, I know it's hard to believe. When it, it we really had is, a little extra it really money, is hard to believe. It's it's hard to it's hard to even fathom. But okay, I'm I'm following. When we when we had a little extra money, um, we would buy hamburger helper, and oh my gosh, we just thought we were in heaven. Hamburger yeah. helper. It was really, um, but you know. You just make do. I didn't know any difference. Right. I really didn't. You thought everybody and grew up that way. Yeah, I did. I The only money that we got as kids were lunch money to go to school. Mm. You know, we go to school with our lunch money. And I saved my lunch money yeah. so that I could buy whatever I needed um, because, you know, there were no Christmas presents, no nothing. My mom didn't like Christmas. She's this, you know, religious. Uh, her and my dad would go sing at churches all the time. They were general Baptists by now. Southern Baptist, um, and they would go sing at churches and stuff, and everybody just thought they were amazing. And us kids were at home uh, with very little to eat, and nobody to supervise us or care about us. And um, if you asked for something, you know, for Christmas or whatever, uh, no, you know, they didn't have time for any of that. So, uh, yeah, I thought that's how everybody grew up. I didn't know. I'm so sorry. Okay, so so made me very strong. So you went to McClure High School. Absolutely, yes. made strong, right? Yeah. So you go to yeah. McClure High School. Do you have a favorite yeah. subject at McClure? Yeah, um, and that's actually um, Ferguson Junior High School is where I met my best friend. Um, her name's Patty, and I'm at her house right now. We have been best friends since we were 14, and we're now both 67. So it's just wow. a wonderful friendship that we've had all these years. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, sometimes you just meet somebody that you connect with forever, you know, and, uh, her mom and dad were just really great people. And I essentially lived at her house, um, mm. you know, and her mom and dad, um, you know, they were the ones that let me borrow their, uh, get my driver's license. And when there were, uh, events at high school where it's, you know, uh, mom and daughter, uh, her mom would take me with her. Um, and so it was just, you know, and her mom's still alive and I still call her my uh, mom. Yeah. She's just a wonderful, wonderful human being. Oh. So I've had a lot of good people in my life. Um, just unfortunately, my mom wasn't one, wasn't one of them. Well, um, it, you know, it's, it's, so in, it's kind of, a, your life's kind of an example of, of the power of community. Yes, you it know? definitely is. And all of us sort of pulling for each other and helping each other. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You needed, you needed support at a certain time and and they stepped up and wow. Yeah. I mean, how yeah. cool. Yeah, it is. It's really, it's really nice. Yeah. Um, so in high school, I would say English was probably my favorite subject. No. Um, but goofing off was really <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> and I was one of those kids who... Um, you might already be able to tell I talked a lot You're so <laughs> I got straight A's but I was never in the National Honor Society because I got unsatisfactory conduct yeah. for talking too much yeah yeah, I, yeah. I, didn't do, I didn't do what I was told much either I you know <laughs> yeah well yeah. as a preacher's kid you kind of learn not to right because yeah. your parents are never there right uh, to corral you so i always got away with murder and yeah, my biggest really problem was i wanted to be i wanted to be outside i didn't want to be in uh -huh. i didn't want to be inside i was that kid that sat and yeah. stared out 
at the play equipment, you know, outside, because that's where I wanted to mm -hmm. be. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So that was that was my biggest challenge was, you know, and, and apparently that is rebellion. And apparently that is, you know, not doing as you're told and not playing well with others. And, you know, like, you know, they came up with all mm -hmm. kinds of wonderful things. So to to tell you that parent teacher conferences were an adventure for me um, is an <laughs> understatement. Yeah. It, um, well, yeah. that, well, my mother never went to one, so I could yeah. do whatever I wanted. It didn't my, matter. My, my parents would go and then they'd just walk out and just shake their head. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, here we go again. So eventually they got, eventually they got programmed, right? They were prepared. So they, they just knew yeah. that they were going to walk in and be disappointed. And, <laughs> um, and, you know, they just, you know, just kind of, you know, they just, um, they, they dealt with it and they survived my childhood, which is really impressive. You know, if people that is impressive that they people that know me childhood. are thoroughly yeah. impressed, you know, <laughs> surprised and thoroughly impressed. So, mm -hmm. those poor people. Um, so now I'm now I'm 57 and I've raised kids of my own, right? So, and I, you know, growing up, I always knew I'd be a dad and I always, I always had this, this dream that I would go to my 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 children would be the best behaved they'd be the the model citizens they you know that the teachers would do nothing but brag about them and i went to my our my son our son is our, our is our oldest and we went to his very first parent teacher conference he was in kindergarten and we walked in and i said lay it on me teach tell me how great my kid is and she goes actually mr linton your son is the most disruptive child we have in the <laughs> class and i sort of looked at her and i said okay okay wait a minute we're talking about my son. His name's Mike. <laughs> Do you have the right file? <laughs> and she goes, she goes, Mr. Linton, I promise you I have the right file. I'm like, so what's he doing? And she said, well, he's fine until it's time to get up and get into single file line. He wants to be the class clown. He wants to crack jokes. He wants to be the, you know, and I said, okay. I said, well, you know, it's very important to me that you and I don't have any daylight between us. So he needs to know that I'm supporting you 100%. So here's the thing. He's always talking about how I have two telephones. At the time, I carried two cell phones. I still do. But wow. I, would use, I would use two phones at a time to close deals. I had a very large real estate company at the time, a very large mortgage company that I owned. And and I had a lot going on. And so it was nothing new for me to stand and have two phones on and be closing deals. And so, so I told her, I told her, I said, he's, you know, we're going to go home and we're going to tell him that you're, you put me on speed dial. And the next time he gets off, off out of the, out of, out of line, I want you to walk up to him before you punish him and whisper in his ear, would you like to go to my desk and use my phone and call your dad and tell him how you're, how you're acting right now? And I said, let's see how that works. The very next day he got out of line. She walked up to him, whispered that in his ear. She never had to talk to him again. Wow. That's he never had to say another thing because that kid knew that I answer my phone. Yeah. And I went home and told him, I said, I have her back. So if she calls me, you're going to deal with me when you get home. Is that what you want? Oh, no. No, dad, that's not what I want. Okay. Those are your options, right? Yeah. Got right back in line. She never had to punish him. 
Yeah, you Just knew what would work. That's great. I'm having to talk with me. You know how painful it is. We've been on, we've been together now a couple of minutes. <laughs> you know how painful it is, right? The idea <laughs> of having to sit with me and talk with me about how he was acting was way more of a deterrent than anything else. I love that. No, I yeah. So, so you, so you, so English is your favorite subject at McClure. You graduate from McClure. Then where do you go? So I talked to, you know, I would talk to my mom and I would say, so, um, you know, it's time to pick a college. Yeah. And she goes, and I quote, who do you think you are? You're not going to college. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. And I don't know how McClure is now, but at that time, there were 800 kids in my graduating class. It was wow. huge. Good size. Good size. And they did not have enough. Yeah, they did not have enough anybody to really right. support you. So there was nobody to talk to me about scholarships or anything like that. Um, so I found out about, and you're going to love the name of this, a secretarial school called Miss Hickey's Secretarial School. That sounds like Ferguson, Missouri to me. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm going to Miss Hickey's. <laughs> That's right. And um, it was really the best. It was really very well known as the best secretarial school. If you knew Miss and... Hickey the way I know Miss Hickey. <laughs> and um, it, it only took nine months to graduate. And you were pretty much guaranteed placement if you awesome. graduated from there. So... Um, I figured out how to get um, a scholarship there. Yeah. The only thing that I didn't get a scholarship for was books. And it was going to cost me, this was 1974. Okay. So the books were going to cost me $200. Ooh. And yeah. And my mom said, nope, not giving you $200. So yeah. I called my grandma and I said, grandma, I, this is what I want to do. I need $200. And she had been saving her quarters do you remember the quarters that you could put in like little little slots and you'd save them there were little books yep. almost like green stamp kind of books yep i had one yeah she had, I had one i filled those. it up and i took it into the bank and i made a deposit i remember that and i was probably yeah. in the early 70s i was probably right about that time yeah I was 10 years old no i was eight years old at that time yeah in 74 yeah. I was eight. Yeah. So she gave me those quarters and I paid for my books and I did pay her back as quickly as possible. Did she have $200 in quarters? Uh -huh. She did. Bless her heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, her husband, my grandfather, was um, a veteran of, um, I don't know, Korean War, I think it was. And, yeah. and right. when he came, yeah, when he came back, he was, you know, like many men who come back from war, they're a different person. And he had been an alcoholic and, and he was not a good husband. Uh, so she couldn't rely on him for anything. So she, and she did, she never worked. She never drove a car. She never did anything. Um, but, you know, be a housewife and a mother and grandma, but she saved those quarters and she gave those to me and it got me through Miss Hickey school. And I got a job, right? At, you know, a great, a really good job taking shorthand, you know, and typing. And um, I still can type 110 words a minute. Wow. I can no longer take shorthand because, of course, I haven't been practicing, but right. I, I type really fast. And so Very I got a like job. like a foreign language. <laughs> it is. It was really It really fun. is. Mm -hmm. 
So I got a job um, as a secretary and I rode the bus from Ferguson to downtown St. Louis because that's where I got the job was downtown St. Louis because that's where the good jobs were. And um, as my shy self, no, not shy at all. I got to know on the bus. We'd have parties and stuff. And I met a man um, who became my first husband. And um, he was working at the phone company. And he said, you should come work at the phone company. You can make a lot more money. So I went and applied and got a job at, at that time it was called Southwest and Bell Telephone, downtown St. Louis. And started there in Oklahoma. There you go. Started there in 1977. And they had a really good um, education package where they would pay for all of your schooling, college schooling, if you went to college. And I did. I went to college at night and on the weekends and eventually got my undergrad in business administration and began getting promoted at the phone company. And um, I hit a ceiling, though, where I stopped getting promoted. And by this time, it was 18 years in, okay? (laughs) I had my undergrad, but I did not have a master's. So when I went to my boss and said, why am I not getting promoted? Mm -hmm. He said, well, you don't have your master's. You need a master's. So they're still paying for it. So I went back, took me two years to get an MBA. And I got MBA with honors. And then... The very next promotion went to a girl who was in her 20s. By now, I'm 40. She's in her 20s, and she didn't even have an undergrad. So I went into him and said, what happened? Yeah. I thought you said I would get promoted if I got my master's, and I got it. Right. And he looked at me, and he's, oh, he was mad. You could tell. Her, oh, do you want to know the truth? Do you want to know the real reason you're not getting promoted? And I'm like, I wanted to know the real reason two years ago. Hey, the time to tell me the real reason was the last conversation, you bozo. Yeah, no, yeah. And he said, all right, I'll tell you the real reason. You laugh and smile too much. And until you change that, you're never getting promoted here again. Yep. Almost 20 years. I've never heard that before. I've never oh, yeah. heard that somebody laughed and smiled too much and uh-huh. that kept them for this is a new thing for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm 57 years old. This is the first time I've ever heard this. Yep. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. How could you laugh and smile too much? That's what he told me. Unreal. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, but then I'm in perimenopause and I'm having all kinds of hot flashes and I'm unhappy with my job now, you know, not getting promoted for a long time and I'm bored and and you have um, a master's in MBA yeah, yeah, yeah and you know I always have read a lot and I've always been very into self-help books and things like that and so I thought at first I just cried and thought I just have to learn how not to smile and laugh so much and then I was like, you know what? I like who I am. I like to smile and laugh. Yeah. And sure. yeah. And so I started looking into what else could I do? Yeah. And I started reading about how you could start your own business. Yeah. And I had just married, I skipped a couple of husbands. I had just married my third husband. Okay. <laughs> 
who also worked at the phone company. So the first one and the third one worked at the phone company. The one in between didn't. He was very short-lived. Okay. That one. <laughs> he was a speed bump. <laughs> that, uh, that's a good one. I'm going to yeah. use that from now on. He there was just a speed bump. He went to McClure High School. There you um, go. Of course he did. <laughs> so um, my husband um, said, you know what? He really believed in me. He thought I was a really smart woman. And he said, you should start your own business. And so um, I didn't really know anything about businesses at the time, but I had gone to a candle party and it was a multi-level marketing company. And I thought I could do that. So that's what I did. I joined the um, multi-level marketing company, started building a business there and quit the phone company six months after I was told I laughed and smiled too much. And when I went into my boss and gave him my, gave him my resignation letter, he said, you can't quit. And I said, well, I know for sure I can. And he said, no, I mean, you can't quit because you're never going to make this kind of money again. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know why, but what just popped in my head was, you know what? I'm not only going to make this kind of money again. I'm going to double this. Yeah. And yeah. So multi-level marketing the other thing that i got to tell you was um i was in marketing at the phone company at the time which i love marketing but marketing for a big corporation is boring it's statistics um so i had asked if i could go into sales and they said no you are you do not have the personality to sell and i thought i'm pretty sure you do you hello (laughs) you smile and laugh too much you love people exactly that's right yeah. Perfect. So they wouldn't let me do that. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'll show them. I'll do really great with this multi-level marketing company. And indeed I did. I broke all kinds of records and yeah, uh, won every trip and all of that stuff. You Unfortunately, Because people like people who smile and laugh too much. <laughs> yeah. Come on. I also was able to demonstrate to other women. Yeah. Um, what you and I were talking about before we started, which is if I can do this, so can you. Yeah. And they could really see that because, uh, you know, I would just be like, I'm a goofball. I'm just laugh and smile. Why don't you join me? Yeah, and they would. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, I broke records in recruitment, which yeah. in multiple marketing is the key to, to excelling. Unfortunately, what I didn't know was multi-level marketing is really difficult to make a profit in. So um, after five years, I had only made about 10,000 profit in one year, and that wasn't enough for me. So my husband got an opportunity to work um, in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Mm -hmm. um, laying fiber optic cable on the floor of the ocean from Halifax to Europe. Mm -hmm. And he said, why don't you come with me? So I quit my multi-level marketing company, and I went with him. And what I ended up doing was... Um, over the internet and phone, I would find places for us to live. So I was looking at real estate agent websites and talking to real estate agents and, um, you know, again, very opinionated, tell people what I think. So I started telling real estate agents, you know, you could really do more with your marketing. You could do more with your website. Mm -hmm. And one of them finally said, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? Mm -hmm. And my website and fix my marketing and right. I said cool you paid me to 
yeah. So I started doing that. And this was for a real estate agent in Kansas City, Missouri. And I started doing that and really enjoyed it. And then my company that he was working for at the time, he was still in telecommunications. And that's when the telecommunications bust happened. And the company shut down. And so we owned this piece of property in the Missouri Ozarks. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you, if anybody doesn't know what the Missouri Ozarks look like, think about that movie or that TV series Ozark. Right. Have you watched that? Yes. Mike? Yes. That's where and I we went. I live in we went place. to the Ozarks when I was a kid. So it was, yeah. like, it was like going back again because it hasn't changed a bit. There's like three <laughs> leaves that have changed the entire forest. I mean, it's come on. Yes. Right? Yeah. So my husband's family um, had been given many, many generations ago a piece of property in the Mark Twain National Forest in the Missouri Ozarks. And it's just beautiful on a beautiful Ozark River. And they had built a a 500 square foot cabin there, fishing cabin. And I said to my husband, let's move there. And you can retire. He was 50 at the time. You can retire and I will run this virtual assistant business because my real estate agent said, you're a virtual assistant. And I'm like, I am. Okay, cool. Um, And my husband's like, I don't know if I want to live there full time. And I said, give me six months. Let me see if I can make a success of this business and see if we like living there. Right. And so he said, okay. And we moved there. Right. Yeah. Within two months, he was like, I'm never moving anywhere else. We still live there. And that was, um, we moved there in 2001 and we still live there now, uh, 2024. And we still live in that little house and I just absolutely love it. And I built a six figure virtual assistant business. Yeah, you did. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I more than doubled. In fact, um, now this business that I have now, I built it to a million. So I just laugh all doubling the way to the bank. now. <laughs> yeah, I just laugh all the way to the bank now. <laughs> you should because you should have the last laugh. You deserve it. Yeah, yeah. God, that, that guy is a nimrod. Okay, <laughs> so so you start the business in, mm-hmm. and you said it was two thousand. When I really, you know, I dabbled uh, like 1999, 2000. I mean, we're right. talking early internet, you know? Yeah, yeah. Dial up. <laughs> well, the dot, com, um, the dot com bubble was, you know, 2000, right? Yeah. Um, so that's when I was doing the work for just a couple of real estate agents in Kansas City. And then in 2001, when I moved and my husband retired and I said, you, I, I'm not domestic at all. I don't cook or cleaner, any of that stuff. And he knew that, Mary, he knew that I wasn't like that. Um, And he said, I'll take care, you know, I'll cook, clean, take care of the house and you make the living. And I'm like, that's what I want. And that's what we've done ever since. That's awesome. Yeah. you started the company in 2000. Yes. Right? Yep. And you're now in your 24th year. Yes. Yeah. So tell me, tell me what your favorite thing is about owning this business. Wow, there's so many good things, but I will tell you my favorite thing is um, the lives I've changed. Yeah, yeah, because I knew there's that a was lot. Be the answer. <laughs> I knew that was uh, going to be the answer. 
Yeah. Because there's a lot of women like me out there who, especially for my era and unfortunately still even, but you know, uh, 45 and up women that are right now, 45 and up, they were treated like I am. I mean, I felt like a little piece of dirt on my boss's foot, you know, um, literally he would say things to me. Like, if you don't like it here, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Right. Um, that was before he told me I left his mouth too much. Um, and you know, women are still, and I'm sure men too, but women are still getting laid off, um, not promoted, uh, not, not, uh, given the, their value isn't really perceived the value that they have, that they can provide. Well, you know, so I help them increase their confidence and make money. I've talked to people that worked for the phone company and the phone company had this attitude that was really kind of toxic. You know, and you're obviously living, through, oh, yeah. you know, what they, you know, what they're, how toxic it was. But um, to your credit, you went out and proved him wrong and continued to prove him wrong. Right. And yeah. that's just, that's just awesome. So, so you're changing lives. Talk about how you're changing because you're a VA, you're a VA expert, right? Yes. And you train people. Yes. So explain how you're changing lives specifically, because I know how you're doing it because I'm in real estate and I know, you know, I have a virtual, my virtual assistant, by the way, is going to be editing this, this video and or (laughs) so, you know, we've got her buried right now. Um, And she's, you know, bless her heart. She's working as fast as she can. Um, But, you know, she's our editing department right now. Um, And she's doing a great job. She just, you know, I've just, I've, been interviewing too many people and I'm stacking her, her plate. (laughs) But to her, to her credit, she's got a great attitude and she's, you know, making it happen. So talk about specifically what you do with your company. Yeah. So when I became a virtual assistant, um, it was, you know, I was like a pioneer of the virtual assistant industry. And at that time, nobody as a virtual assistant had made six figure yet because virtual assistants were um, not making a whole lot. They were making like 15 to 25 per hour. Um, and people still to this day consider a virtual assistant, that term as an admin, which in their mind is about $25 an hour max. And as an independent contractor, a 1099 contractor, you really can't make the living at that price. So what I did, um, and I just want to give my business coach a shout out because she was the one who helped me see this opportunity. Um, she said, do your research and find out what, why they will only pay them that much. Cause I felt like I was beating my head against the wall. I knew my value. Mm -hmm. I knew the value of the women that I was helping professional women who really know how to support and help a business grow. I mean, that's really a high value. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, what I discovered was just that term assistant, um, ma'am think admin. And so I said, well, what if you call them? What if you, um, and I just said, okay, virtual assistant, $25 an hour. What if you um, could hire a virtual expert? I didn't tell them what that meant. And right away they're, oh yeah, 45 hour, an hour right. and up. And I was like, shifting. Right. So I trademarked the term virtual expert, And that's what I teach women how to do. I right. don't teach them the skills because they already have the skills. And this is right. a big thing that people don't understand is when you're 
working, when you're a mom, when you're volunteering, you're gaining amazing skills right. that are marketable. Yeah. And True. yeah. And so um, I consider myself a niche whisperer and I can talk to someone for 15 minutes, help them figure out what uh, skills they already have. Right. They can translate into the marketplace, how much they can earn, what they would enjoy doing. And then I teach them how to start and build a business. That's awesome. So yeah. it's vexperttraining.com, right? It's virtualexperttraining.com. Virtualexperttraining.com. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And if people are looking for a virtual expert, they can go to virtualexpertmatchmaking.com. And okay. I have a directory of everybody that's gone through my program awesome. and they can search on the area of specialization because that's the other thing I teach is to specialize because you make more money when you specialize. It's just right. like doctors, you know, when they're a generalist, they make okay money, but when they specialize, they make even more. Right. And that's what virtual experts do. They specialize. So whether it's bookkeeping or writing or tech or whatever it is, um, they can specialize and make, there is no top end there is no can i ask you a question no okay (laughs) of course (laughs) did you ever have you ever thought that you're the 20th 21st century version of miss hickey i didn't but you're right you're absolutely right this is that this is that full circle thing baby it it absolutely is you're oh my gosh i love that how did I not ever put that together, Mike? I love that. Thank you. I'm I'm just I'm just observing, right? I'm yeah. really all I'm doing here is I'm holding on. I'm keeping my arms and my hands inside the ride at all times. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because you smile and laugh a lot and you're really entertaining. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you. this is this is a lot like, you know, Mr. Toad's wild ride, right? You know, I'm just <laughs> I'm just holding on, right? Yep. Well, and today, Mike, you're happening to get me when I'm out of town and I forgot to bring my tiara, but I usually am wearing a tiara. I love that. I love yeah. that. Well, let's yeah. just say metaphorically, you're always wearing one. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Let's That's just, right. let's just be honest here. Okay. Yeah. Because when I quit, one of the promises I made to myself was that I was going to always do something that I had fun doing. Yeah. So I built this virtual expert training business so that I would have fun so for example you know I'm not a big detail oriented person I'm more of the visionary and I have a lot of typos not a lot but I have typos I make mistakes technology uh, messes up and when you're part of my program you know that anytime that happens you just say or type in chat on zoom bingo We actually, in my training program, it's all online. And if they find an error or a link doesn't work, there's a bingo form they fill out. A bingo form? Mm-hmm. That they fill out to. Oh my goodness. Okay. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. And we have events. Um, we have either a virtual event or a live event every year. At the live events, I sell VIP tickets uh, to have a pajama party with me. Wow. And, yeah. And, um, and anytime they uh, buy something from me, they come up on stage and get a tiara. And, and then virtually we do, um, when we do the events virtually, then we have um, 
contest, a costume contest, you know, uh, the woman that you most admire, the person you most admire, come as that person. Yeah. Or we have a talent contest. You wouldn't believe how talented these people are in my community. I, they are I amazing. It. I believe it. Yeah. So you we have being number one most talented. Okay. So <laughs> how many people dress up as you? Yes. And I did not realize that was going to happen. But yes, there are probably 25% that dress up as me. And it's really easy because they just wear a tiara and pajamas. And then they have a wine glass. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. Because I love wine. That's it. <laughs> That's all the mandatory equipment you need. Yeah. Yeah. But you would not, one year I thought, well, we'll change it up a little bit. And, and I didn't tell anybody we we're going to have a costume contest until 24 hours before. So they couldn't really go buy anything. Right. You would not believe the things they already had at home. Oh, yeah. I mean, elaborate costumes. It oh, was yeah. amazing. Yeah, some These, of these these women who are self-proclaimed introverts right <laughs> yeah they, they they dug deep in their closet and pulled it out didn't they yeah they did oh my gosh it was hilarious yeah, we really did. do i mean we laugh all the time and make really good money and have a great business yeah i can imagine i can imagine because the leader laughs and talks and and smiles a lot and yeah. bless your heart okay you're just amazing. Absolutely amazing. I don't know anybody on this planet that you can't improve their disposition just by being there. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate well, that. I appreciate you. You're you're absolutely remarkable. So, and it does not surprise me in the least that these people dress up as you. I would dress up as you. <laughs> oh, I want to see that. Yeah, that would that would be that might be newsworthy, you know. That would be newsworthy. For All sure. right, so we're going to put a link to the matchmaking website and also the training website. Okay, uh, wonderful. And by the way, I have free free training, free resources, um, all kinds of stuff. Uh, quiz you can take to identify your niche, uh, calculator you can use to figure out how much you can earn, all kinds of free stuff on my website. Yeah, and how do you find out where the costume party is? <laughs> well, uh, April 20th and 21st we're having a virtual event so uh look at the website it's not on there yet but it will be in about a week uh, sign up there we're gonna drum up a little interest i'm telling you i'm yeah, telling you yeah. and they have to dress up as you just so we're clear <laughs> that'll be easy oh my goodness listen i have thoroughly enjoyed every second of this this has been an absolute ride and the best part about it was you I, I have thoroughly enjoyed getting to know you, and I'm so glad that we had this opportunity to meet. Mike, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your podcast, and thanks for making me laugh and smile so much today. Thank you for being here and laughing and smiling so much. Mm -hmm. Kathy, thank you for being our guest on the Mike Litton Experience. Enjoy Sacramento, okay? Thank you so much, Mike. Appreciate you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? 
Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760. 